Hello everyone and welcome to the linguistics podcast that does not yet have a name yet. We are still working on that. But in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Noam Chomsky, aka the godfather of linguistics. If you study linguistics, you know his name very well. So we're going to start out by talking about his life and all of his accomplishments. Then we're going to dive deep into his linguistic theories and people that oppose his linguistic theories as well. So we're going to start out with his life and what he achieved. So Noam Chomsky was born on December 7th, 1928 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He grew up in a middle class Jewish family and unfortunately because of that he experienced a lot of anti-Semitic discrimination because his family was Jewish. That was just kind of the time period that it was. He attended an experimental elementary school which basically means that his learning was self-directed and the school encouraged him to shape his own interests, very different from the traditional model of a normal elementary school. He wrote an editorial for his school newspaper when he was only 10 years old proving that he was much more advanced than other students. And in this editorial, he wrote about the spread of fascism that followed the fall of Barcelona in February of 1939. Definitely a very interesting topic for someone who was only 10 years old to write about. At age 13, Chomsky started traveling and he specifically started traveling to New York. Here in New York, he would meet other Jewish people like him, and through discussion, he would begin to shape his worldviews. So there were a couple points of his worldviews that I found really interesting, and so I'm going to go over those. One strong viewpoint that he had was that all people are capable of comprehending political and economic issues and making their own decisions on that basis, that all people need and derive satisfaction from acting freely and, create, and creatively, and form association with others and that authority, whether political, economic, or religious, that cannot meet a strong test of radical justification is illegitimate. Also, the second point he believed in was that the best form of political organization is where all people have equal opportunity to cooperate with each other and have decision-making power. So that's a little bit about Chomsky. The fact that he thought all of that when he was 13 years old is far more advanced than what I've ever thought in my life in my 20 years. Um, when he was 16 years old, he enrolled at the University of Pennsylvania in 1945, so he did not even finish high school, he just went straight to college. After two years in college, he considered leaving because he found it to be pretty boring and of little interest. However, he decided to stick with it after meeting Zelig S. Harris, who was one of the or originators of structural linguistics in America. He introduced Chomsky to theoretical linguistics for the first time. So, in terms of Chomsky's education, he got a bachelor's in linguistics in 1949, his master's in 1951, and his doctorate in 1955. Also, during his time in school, he would marry his wife, Carol, in 1949. So, looking at Chomsky's career, he began his career as an assistant professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, otherwise known as MIT, in 1955. He spent his initial time researching as well as teaching about linguistics as well as philosophy. He would be promoted to associate professor two years later in 1957. So at this time when he was an associate professor, he was also utilized as a visiting professor at Columbia University. Also during this time, he had his very first child. So 1957 was a very busy year for Noam Chomsky. So looking forward at his career, he was actually the founder of MIT's graduate program in linguistics. Definitely a very uh, solid accomplishment for him. 
He was then awarded tenure in 1961 and became a full professor, so he worked his way up the ladder pretty quickly. Beyond linguistics, he was a very prominent activist and was very vocal about his beliefs. Actually, he was out on President Nixon's master list of political opponents. Very interesting that President Nixon felt threatened by a linguist. Um, so yeah, uh, after a long career of teaching, Chomsky would retire from MIT in 2002. So he was tenured in 1961 and then retired in 2002. Definitely a very long teaching career. However, even though he retired, he would still remain a professor emeritus and he still did research and did seminars. So he just wasn't a full on professor anymore, but he was still actively involved in the college. He would come back to active teaching in 2017 at the University of Arizona, where he was hired as a part-time linguistics professor. And so as of now, Chomsky is 94 years old, still alive, still kicking it, and he actively teaches linguistics at the University of Arizona still today. So if you ever want to learn from Noam Chomsky, the godfather of linguistics, he is still alive and you can still learn from him if you want to go to the University of Arizona. Alright, so what I found fascinating about Noam Chomsky was that in addition to being a linguist, he was also a philosopher, a cognitive scientist, uh, he critiqued different social phenomena, uh, he wrote about history, and was also a political activist. Um, he was known as the father of linguistics, which is very fascinating to me because I really did not know before how linguistics came to be a formal field of study and i guess we owe it to noam chomsky for um for helping pr uh, pave that way um which is very interesting i i also found out that uh through studying his work he was also a huge pioneer in cognitive science and uh what i find fascinating is the connection between uh, the sounds actually produced by the vocal cords and the mouth and how that relates to different uh, areas in the brain that are activated uh, when we speak and how uh, language is actually uh, developed by the brain which is something that is a connection that I personally enjoy. So another thing uh, Chomsky helped work on was the theory of language acquisition uh, which states that uh, as there are biologically determined processes that have neural circuits in the brain uh, that have evolved to contain linguistic signals, that contain electrical signals. These different uh, processes in the brain uh, correlate to language. Um, and I think this is very interesting, that the brain is, neuro, is neuroplastic enough, that's probably not a real word, but the brain is neuroplasticity. And we also uh, learned, I learned in my psychology class about the neuroplasticity of the brain, um, and I thought it was very interesting that there is concrete evidence that the brains have evolved uh, to develop language, which makes me wonder what was happening in the brain before language was fully developed, and that kind of development that we see in modern day. Um, he also concluded, Chomsky did, that uh, language acquisition, this theory that we were previously talking about, requires an inborn faculty in children, which I read is called the language acquisition device, um, which is interesting to me because there is some sort of mechanism in the brain that children are born with that allows them 
the ability that allows them to learn language. There's a capacity to develop language, whether that be in the critical period uh, or throughout their entire lives, uh, to develop language and, and to really have a capacity to learn that, um, which I find very, very intriguing. I read that prior to Chomsky, uh, it was widespread the idea that um, language was developed and obtained by experiential learning. But his theory allowed the, the brain structures, the structures in the brain, uh, to, to really have the capacity to take on that language. So in other words, previous hypotheses set forth the notion that language development was trial and error. However, Chomsky really changed the game when he pr proposed the theory that humans were born with a specific brain arrangement that allows them to learn these languages. In addition, according to Chomsky, there is an unconscious storing of information in the brain that can be used later on in life for oral communication and written communication and other forms of communication. So there's some sort of mechanism at play that Chomsky proposed and there is uh, significant evidence that supports that theory even today. Um, that there is some sort of mechanism, some structure within the brain, again, that we've developed for this language capacity. And again, just to reiterate, there is a critical period in children in terms of brain development that allows uh, for the very, very rapid and effective and concrete learning of, of language, which is why most experts, if not all, can agree upon the idea that it is best to teach a child language uh, the earlier, the better. Um, simply because one of the critical period into uh, the the increased neuroplasticity. Um, so that is that's about all for uh, his theory, and he developed a, a little bit more. Um, but I'll let some of my colleagues expand upon that. Well, Matthew, before I get to some of my points about some of the um, opposing theories that linguists have had compared to Chomsky's, I wanted to harper back to your last point about the uh, critical period of uh, ch children's brain development, giving them an increased capacity to understand language. Because uh, I'm actually aware of a few studies that have been done in the 1950s, 60s, uh, kind of Skinner, Freud, the era of psychology, of where um, children would be found uh, in basically pretty terrible conditions, honestly, um, confined in the home from a young age and never let outside, um, and whatnot. Just pretty terrible situations for these children to be in. However, it did make them good subjects of study for um, things like understanding how language capacity forms. And what some of these studies on these children uh, found out was that uh, these children that were not exposed to much language at all from a young age would then, by the time that they were found and taken out of this isolation, uh, were no longer able to uh, understand and comprehend language nearly as well as the average person uh, can. And so what all these studies have tried to do in this regard is trying to uh, somehow quantify this innateness. And I'll kind of get to that in some of my uh, points about the opposing arguments and such. 
because uh, many studies that have come out in the time since Chomsky has made his claims and theories about um, the innate structure of, of uh, language that we possess have tried to disprove these theories in various ways, and many of these studies will end up using Chomsky rebuttals as a sort of a buzzword, in fact, uh, where they'd place uh, this part of Chomsky's theories have been disproven by like this study in order to try to increase uh, attention and generate interest in uh, set articles. Um, but what a lot of these have sh been shown to do is that they may disprove this or that specific aspect, right, of um, Trump, one of Chomsky's claims, because he's made many claims over the years, both in linguistics and in uh, the political field. But um, Chomsky's main underlying principles of the unconscious, innate understanding of language uh, that we possess has been, it's been very difficult to be able to disprove that in any way. Some of this disagreeing, however, it simply comes from a vagueness in Chomsky's language. Uh, you've got terms such like universal grammar and innate abilities to comprehend language, which are not specific quantifiable uh, objects, right? They're essentially other terms that we've made to describe quantities that uh, we theorize about. It's a bit philosophical instead of something that's very quantifiable. And so that's something that some of these studies have been able to kind of like latch onto uh, in trying to create opposing theories. Um, psychologist Steven Pinker wrote in the Scientific American um, where he contended that a more precise computational model of language acquisition is, should be needed now to test if they can innately, um, if these computer programs, uh, as a result, these computational models can be able to actually acquire language innately, similar to that to um, how a child is perceived to. And if we can create these models, then we can be able to better quantify what the actual processes are behind um, language acquisition. Uh, in a sense here, this is, there's a lot of different studies and uh, viewpoints that oppose the linguistic side of um, Chomsky's argument. But equally as valid are going to be some of the behavioral aspects, right, of going into um, the methods that we used to um, get an understanding in children of how language is. Uh, right, and that goes into some of um, Skinner's uh, viewpoints back in the 1960s, a lot of um, behavioral psychology and that he worked on, because he had a very, um, his viewpoint was very much focused on positive reinforcement and the consequences that children face based upon how they reacted, um, in a sense, training them to behave in a different way. And um, one of his famous uh, studies that he actually did, that Skinner did, was that he um, did an experiment with pigeons and that he would teach them um, one behavior and whenever the pigeons would do said behavior, he would reward them. And over time, as the pigeons would uh, begin to understand to do this behavior for this reward, then uh, Skinner was able to give that reward out less and less and then would be, be able to begin training the next uh, action. And so what you would get is that over time, as these uh, pigeons were uh, given rewards whenever they did the, uh, the thing that was asked of them, they began to learn this pattern, right? And so that became uh, the underlying foundation for a lot of uh, behavioral psychology and the, um, the understanding and ideas that you can train someone through consequences to be able to act or um, articulate themselves in this particular way. Um, on the other hand, uh, what Chomsky proposed is very much different from that because it is a almost like a built-in innate understanding of how 
uh, language structure works. Uh, the idea that we have um, processes in our brain that can specifically comprehend grammar. So in this regard, Chomsky would argue that we would actually be born with this basic knowledge that would be developed through education. So, and what we kind of end up seeing in a lot of these studies uh, that try to oppose Chomsky or maybe just try to get data and then interpret it afterwards is that it's definitely there is a bit of a combination of both at play um, because while it seems that there is this innate ability in children especially as referenced in the aforementioned studies of how um, these children if taught language at a young age are much more easily able to comprehend it whereas compared to later on this shows that there is some sort of critical period in the brain that allows for us to understand language however at the same time being able to be rewarded by um, uh, by saying the right thing or using the proper grammatical, like syntactical rules, um, could still definitely play some sort of a role in uh, affirming in people uh, that this is the correct way, or in the society to uh, engage in language. So, with all that being said, uh, I think now is a good time to begin to wrap up some of our discussion about Chomsky. Overall, what we've kind of discussed here today, like Chomsky is very clearly a, um, a very intelligent individual. Um, his theories have been able to shed a lot of light on our situation as people, of how we're able to sit here and have these conversations right now. Um, and I think what's especially interesting about Chomsky and his theories and linguistics as a whole is that this era of linguistics, um, even though we can look at it in textbooks in the same way that we can look at um, like physics and the fields of si other fields of science and mathematics and such. Um, you look at a lot of those fields and most of the topics discussed in them, they end at around like the early 1900s. Uh, you maybe get to the theory of relativity, which was a an early 1900 uh, yeah, um, 1900s discovery. Whereas with the feudal linguistics, um, the major theory that currently dominates the landscape has been only around for the past 50 years or so. Uh, and Chomsky himself is still alive today, uh, as Corbin was talking about, in universities teaching his ideas of linguistic theory uh, to the next generation. And so uh, I believe that that's really interesting, it's really exciting, because it means that the field still has so much room to grow. Uh, we have a still living forefather reinvigorating interest in this field, especially in a time where so much is now transitioning to um, analyzing this field with using technology, with uh, rapidly advancing forms of audio analysis and production, and with AI tools and algorithms that they're based on, able to interpret and comprehend language in a way, uh, able to translate it for others to hear, and with all of these new ideas wrapping around, it really brings a lot of excitement into uh, the future of linguistics, jumping off of Chomsky's um, ideas.